0: Hey, welcome. This is RPPR episode 191, Terminator RPGs and Licensed Games. I'm Ross Payton, and with me is a special guest, Jacqueline Brick. Say hello, Jacqueline.
1: Oh, good Lord, I was not expecting you to be that cheery.
0: <laughs> it's my I'm announcer frightened. voice.
1: <laughs> I'm not used to this. Uh-oh. <laughs>
0: In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Terminator role-playing game, which has just come out, at least in PDF form, uh, and licensed role-playing games in general, uh, because I've noticed a trend in some of them and, you know, what they what they get right and what they don't get right. Um, yeah. Uh, but, Jacqueline, but first, uh, uh, I was sort of informed about this topic because of a tweet I saw from uh, Jacqueline. So, uh, before we get into that, yeah, tell, tell the audience uh,
1: about you. I'm Jacqueline Brick. Uh, I'm also known as Jax or Jax Romana. Um, I am an analog game designer, editor, writer, creator. I have done almost every game, I've done almost every verb with analog <laughs> games except for art direction and art. And that's a lie because I have done art direction, I just haven't done art or layout. Mm-hmm. I am ha- a freelancer for companies like Onyx Path, Genesis of Legend uh Ulysses Spele Helmgast AB etc um I also write and design LARPs and I am really happy to be here
0: yeah yeah I've I've uh Caleb uh actually met you uh I think mm-hmm. at, um what was the game design con um, Metatopia yeah Metatopia uh and he, hmm. he, he says hi by the way yay uh, <laughs> and, Caleb
1: and I are pals uh,
0: yeah Uh, and I've wanted to, and I've, I've, you're one of those RPG designers, uh, that I've wanted to have on the show at one point or the other. And it's just, I've scheduling and and time and energy are, are harsh, uh, overlord of our lives. But, uh, the, the stars have aligned, uh, and it was all because of this tweet thread you did, uh, on the Twitter, uh, about Terminator and uh, you, you.
1: Well, you re- could say no fate, but what we make about <laughs> yeah. me getting on the show. Hey. hey, yeah,
0: it was, it was <laughs> destined. Um, it- you started by just talking, uh, uh, sharing some screenshots of it, and mm-hmm. uh, just sort of jumped out of me that one. It was kind of tone deaf, and and two, it was just seemed. You think for a major license like The Terminator, uh, they would just—I don't know—do uh, better. Yeah. So first, I guess talk about like why, because you, you backed the Kickstarter, right?
1: I did. Yes. Yeah,
0: and so why did you? Because I'm very cynical about license games at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, we we previously done an episode on the Witch RPG, and that was sort of my like ah, oh. and uh, I've seen uh, I've yeah we'll we'll get into that in more detail in a little bit, but mm-hmm. um, I I just kind of like. I saw the Kickstarter's like, there's no way that'll be worth getting. Um, but you you braved that <laughs> and, and went in. What were your uh, impressions of the game after you actually finally got it? I mean, well, actually, um, first, you, you kind of mentioned that um, it changed from an earlier version in your tweet uh, uh, thread, mm-hmm. I believe. So what was the earlier version like?
1: So let's let's start. Let's start back a little bit. Uh, Your first question is why did you back the Kickstarter? (laughs) Um, So here's my secret nerd shame is that I hadn't actually seen the Terminator or Alien movies uh, until 2020. I like was very into it and my ADHD was hyper-focused. I got it. I got (laughs) hyper-focused on this and squeeze all of the dopamine I can out of it. And Mm -hmm. as I was hyper-focusing on this... um, I saw Nightfall Games' announcement of their Terminator RPG, and I went, wow, this is really Mm -hmm. well-timed. I'm going to back it. And I did. And I'm like, "Eh, you know, it'll it'll hopefully be good. Mm -hmm. And then I saw their Kickstarter image, which is an image of a blonde strapping middle-aged blonde man who I assume is supposed to be John Connor, mm-hmm. smiling and clenching a cigar in his teeth and directing his confused and frightened soldiers into battle, I guess. And I was like, well, that doesn't seem very thematically appropriate.
0: Yeah, they look really like one... Yeah, looking at this image, we'll use this as the <laughs> the image uh, for the this mm-hmm. episode. There's one guy who looks very conf- very scared and the other two are very confused. And yeah, you think... It looks like they've already killed the Terminator. you think they would know what they were doing at this point.
1: Yeah, you'd think. <laughs> but as we'll find out later, seeing a Terminator is the scariest thing that can happen to you. Oh, God. I yeah. guess. Yeah. Anyway, so I back the Kickstarter. I'm looking at it. I'm like, all right. Well, this, this seems fine. I guess. Um, it's mostly men writing it. I've actually worked with one of the, one of the writers, uh, Judy Reed, on other things. And her writing is actually quite good. Um, so I'm just blaming everything I like on Judy. <laughs> and we're going to keep going from there. I don't know. Like As the Kickstarter updates kept going, I, I, I I'd, for a long time I'd forgotten that I backed it. And then the alpha came out. The art's very nice. Mm-hmm. The art is good. I like the art. It probably helps that they were able to license a lot of the images from Studio Canal. The art's really nice. Yep.
0: I think we can safely establish that, that the art is indeed nice.
1: I spent a solid day just listing my grievances with this game. I was so angry. And then it was pointed, because originally I was like, oh, the art and layout is nice. And then my friends who do layout pointed out to me the ever-shifting A's, which we will talk about. Oh, yeah. Um, And I couldn't unsee it. And I kept trying to point it out (laughs) Mm -hmm. to the designer because they had, like, a hey, if you catch anything that's not, if you catch anything that is a typo or doesn't really, or like the incorrect word or whatever, send it to this email address. No, we're not taking world revisions. And I couldn't help myself because one of the key ways you can tell that somebody didn't actually understand. One of the fundamental points of Terminator and Terminator Two is if they call Kyle Reese stoic.
0: Yeah, he's he's a pre- he's not he's pretty tortured. Uh, he, he's, he's
1: pretty emotional. Yeah, yeah, he's like yeah. He spends most of the movie yelling. Yeah, yeah, and people are like he's so stoic and reserved. I'm like, D- what?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean he f- he fell in love with a photograph and and through and dedicated his life for that like um, yeah yeah that's not exactly that's not really stoicism per se like it is, it is no not yeah, really yeah
1: also like i I dare anyone who thinks he's stoic to watch the scene where he tenderly clenches mm-hmm. Sarah Connor's Polaroid in his teeth as he goes to fight a Terminator in his flashback mm-hmm Oh yeah, that's so stoic. <laughs> like, he clearly doesn't have any feelings. He's just a man who gets the job done, like what? Fun trivia note no, t- fun trivia note though. That Terminator is the only T eight hundred in the series who is not played by Arnold. Oh
0: yeah. Uh yeah, that's it's, and they have art of him in the uh, uh, the book uh, to commemorate mm-hmm. it. as <laughs> That's a good point. I never really thought about that. Because, yeah. yeah. Um, and and the book does show uh, a lot of T-800s, uh, including a whole factory of Terminators and, and matching purple mm-hmm. T-shirts. Some with vests. Yeah. A lot of this game does show, like, um, like I, I think probably... Where it's like the company that makes it a Nightfall game, they created uh, a, a pretty well-known RPG called Slay Industries, uh, which was also kickstarted not too long ago. They used that system for it, the S5S system uh, yes. for Terminator. If I had to sort of summarize what I thought of this this RPG, it's like taking a Slay Industry-sized peg and and hammering it in a Terminator-shaped yeah. hole. Like, it is... It's not. It's not the best fit.
1: Um, yeah. yeah, Slay Industries is a really interesting game too because it's like this weird interplanetary cyberpunk
0: mm-hmm.
1: thing with alien races and a certain amount of psychic energy and magic. I guess. Like I, I played it for a live stream mm-hmm. for a while, and I God bless the GM because he gave us macros to do the rolls because otherwise I don't think I could have figured out the rolls.
0: Yeah. To, to briefly explain the, the, the core mechanic is you roll pool of D 10s. One is called the success die and has to be visually distinct from the other dice. And then you roll a variable number of skill dice. And then um, you add uh, your stat plus your skill to each D 10, but you only look at like the, the, you know, if your difficulty is eight and you have a plus five, uh, between your you know a two attribute and a three skill uh then you'd roll you would add plus five to each roll and then so you look at your d10 your success die uh, add the plus five and if it's equal to the target number like an, a challenging task is dc8 um, then you so you need a three or better on that that individual die to succeed and then all the other dice if they succeed you succeed better but
1: now if you get four if you get four or more successes on not the success die you also succeed.
0: Oh, okay, I missed that part, but yeah.
1: So, like, there is a mulligan option mm-hmm. if you don't succeed on the success die.
0: Okay, but you have to have at least four uh, I think so, yeah, it's like three dice. or four. Yeah, and yeah. So, and the number of skill dice you have is based on your skill, which, yeah, so if you have a low skill, you you, you really do need that success die, so... Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's a bit complex.
1: It's a weird overcomplication, and it's not my favorite. Mm-hmm.
0: That's, yeah, that, so... I can understand using visually distinct dice in in games. You know, Red Market's a game I really like. He does that, <laughs> but like, it's yeah. But I don't think that works with the terminate. I mean, so it's not a great mechanic for this system because I think it's a very the the rules themselves are very crunchy. There's a lot of lot of space devoted to combat and hacking and very mechanical yeah. and vehicle chase rules, and it looks very complex and very bogged down with like. Oh, one of
1: yeah special now, one of the, for
0: uh crouching and aiming and like engine. yeah just
1: yeah it feels kind of like they wanted to design a video game rather than a tabletop game
0: mm-hmm.
1: like a lot of this feels like stuff that should just kind of be handled by again macros
0: yeah i mean it's well it actually to me i was thinking of games like twilight 2000 and these yeah. kind of like Military, like it's a very like combat in like where combat's going to be the majority of the session, and it's going to take a long time to resolve. Um, <laughs> and that's really not what I mean. The Terminator is about combat, but like the Terminator mechanically, I mean, if you think about like what characters do at least in the good <laughs> Terminator movies, is it is a group of people uh, being chased by an unstoppable killer, and mm-hmm. until they figure out a way to stop it, and like that, mm-hmm. the whole thing is run away delay it, stun it so you can get away and then figure out something that will finally kill it as it's it methodically killing everything and everyone between you and it. This system doesn't really replicate that because Terminators are very tough. Either they're so tough you'll never be able to defeat them unless the GM writes scenarios in such a way to give you the rocket launcher or armor-piercing
1: weapons. Yeah. Out of curiosity, what do you consider to be the good Terminator movies. Cause I know everyone has a slightly different answer about this. Oh, the
0: first two. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, what? yeah. What, are, what about you?
1: The first two? Definitely. Um, <laughs> I've heard some people say that dark fate is a really good movie and like, I'm sure it is because it's got Linda Hamilton and mm-hmm. Arnie back and that's great, but I don't want to see Sarah lose the softness that she fought so hard to regain mm-hmm. at the end of two. Yeah, like I'm, I'm not interested in seeing her turned into an emotionless, hard drinking, hard fighting badass.
0: Yeah, I think the problem Dark Fate was a competent action movie, but I think the problem is the Terminator franchise is is wedded to these legacy characters. You know, the Connors and Arnold, and like you can't after Terminator Two, you there's there's their, their story is complete. The only way you could, I think, you could tell a Terminator story is to make get new characters. And, uh, like use the same premise or even the same continuity and just say, well, a Skynet is destroyed, but guess what? AI research continues. So there's another AI and. Uh, sure. Yeah. Like it's just the Connor, you can't do anything else with the Connor. They, this Terminator two ends very decisively. Like anything else is just, uh, it, it can't work. It's just not satisfied. Tell, learn to tell a different story using the same kind of ideas. Um, or get new characters. But uh, but they can't learn. And they made, what, three movies now? Uh, at least trying to... It
1: was... Um,
0: it was Terminator 3, for sure.
1: Yeah, Terminator 3, then Salvation, then Genesis, then Dark Fate.
0: Oh, so it was four movies. Jesus. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah. Huh. yeah. Yeah. Hey, so... Okay, so here's another Dark Nerd secret. I There are pieces of Salvation that I really like.
2: hmm
1: Right? Like, Helena Bonham Carter as Skynet's face Mm -hmm. was really fun. That -hmm. was a good choice. I loved that. Uh, Marcus, the cyborg, having this weird homoerotic relationship Mm -hmm. with John Connor to the point where he gives him his heart at the end. Literally. Incredible. Stellar. Should have leaned more into that. I like that they took the very subtle Holocaust imagery from the first two movies, Mm -hmm. like the, the number on the arm, and leaned more into that. I thought that was a really good use of the themes of the series. I also really love, I I hated that John Connor was part of an actual military and wasn't just like a mutual aid organizer who was charismatic because in my head, the resistance is basically food, not bombs, but more. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. My favorite part of Salvation is when they get the signal, and I'm not spoiling anything because it's an old movie. They they get the the signal that supposedly jams Skynet's control of bots, and John Connor's like, "Yes, we tried it; it worked." And the fucking arm, the the remnants of the world's military and the nuclear sub or whatever, because they're they only have the one, and for some reason they're all working together. Are like, "Yes, give us the signal; we will broadcast it, and Skynet won't be able to figure out where it's coming from." And John's like, "I don't think that's a good idea." They're like, you, you're just a lowly sergeant, Connor. You don't know what you're talking about. You've been a problem for all these years. and We know what's best. He's like, okay. And then as soon as they broadcast the signal from the, the sub, Skynet nukes it. Damn. Just incredible. Deller. <laughs> Not, I think, what the directors were trying to say, but I really appreciate the continuity of ACAB. Yeah. In that
0: scene. Yeah. Uh, Weirdly enough, uh, my favorite bit of Terminator Salvation is a bit of the soundtrack that was sampled at a drum and bass song. I really like. But um, (laughs) I do – I mean I do like the idea of like exploring the post-apocalyptic future, the actual war and life struggle of John Connor. But like they should have – Like Marcus, they should have merged John Connor and Marcus's character. You know, what if? Yeah, um, what if John Connor was a Terminator and then he realizes it, and then. uh, I mean, they kind
1: of do that with Genesis, and it sucks.
0: Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. God, I I, I've seen Genesis, and I don't even remember what. Like that plot was so incoherent to me. But yeah, and and so yeah, the Terminator as a franchise, just like after two great movies, like they don't know what to do with it. And so I guess it isn't too much of a surprise that the people making the RPG don't know what to do with it because, um, their, yeah. their idea is, Hey, do you want to do the first movie as a scenario? And, oh. <laughs> and, yeah. And then, um, mm-hmm. uh, a graphic novel as one of the, uh, like well, to be fair, they do mm-hmm. get in the graphic novels, which, uh, they get the, a lot of the dark horse graphic novels go in interesting directions.
1: Okay, so we're going to come to my first biggest bone to pick mm-hmm. with this RPG. It loves cops. Mm-hmm. This RPG fucking loves cops. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to find the page.
0: Oh, about the like sample characters? It's, it's near uh, the beginning. Yeah.
1: yeah, it is. It's in chapter three. Yeah. Um. Okay, here we go. M- one of my favorite, and I say favorite in heavy scare quotes. Page twenty, which is chapter three, there's a section called Era Natives. Which your Era Natives are regular people living linear lives in the time period they were born into. First Era Native, officers of the law. I mean, I'm just going to read this to you. Police officers likely have local knowledge, firearm skills, and access to further resources. Their weakness can be that they are not trusted by many neighborhood locals and are indeed seen as the enemy. Pooh. The next example the undesirables from petty thieves to crime lords criminals have local connections and weapon skills their weakness can be a psychological disconnect with society at large what <laughs> the fuck
0: yeah yeah it, it,
1: just just for
0: shits and giggles sometimes if you're listening to this podcast maybe look up what director james cameron had to say about the terminator uh uh making the uh uh, t-1000 a cop in uh, terminator 2 yeah just noting maybe think about about that
1: (laughs) yeah also worth noting about uh t2 that bar Mm -hmm. that arnie gets his clothes at is on the same block as the rodney king beating like he specifically chose that location like the entire movie is about how the military-industrial complex, and I'm including cops as part of that, mm-hmm. will eat everything in pursuit of eating itself.
0: Yeah, the, yeah, the, the Terminator films are like the good ones at least are very anti-cop. The cops, at their best, are are ignorant and helpless against the actual threat and do nothing to to. Uh, they they you know the the best cops can be is the get slow down the Terminator like and at worst they can actively impede and endanger everything Uh, like the point
1: the point of Lieutenant Traxler and his people is to show you just how dangerous the Terminator is because Mm -hmm. Terminator starts off as this very this very standard like suspense crime movie more or less you know apart from the actual time travel you don't know which one is the good guy and which one is the bad guy and they put in these very comforting familiar cop characters who die like bitches halfway through the movie because the point is it's not about the cops
0: yeah yeah it is it is pretty tone deaf for just just understanding your source material (laughs) like
1: man yeah i it's it's wild Mm -hmm. and they like there are illustrations of cops mm-hmm. for some reason, like another NPC page, um, which is I page mean, having, 23.
0: Yeah. Having them stat it out is fine because yeah, that would be, that's a, that's a stock character type that would show up in these kind of things. You know, like if the, if the PCs need to beat up a cop and steal his car, well, you need stats for the cop.
1: The, that, the other, yeah. the other issue oh, yeah. with the way they stat out the cops is officers of the law directly above Undesirables. Like, the other the other NPC types are, like, civil servant, civilian, scientist, military or private contractor. The way they phrase those two specific categories is so loaded. They could have just said cops or police officers. They could have just said criminals. Mm-hmm. But they say undesirables. Officers of the law. And they're one right after the other. There is no... There is no reason they had to be right next to each other like that. There is no reason criminals had to be called undesirables. And even then making it criminals. And I hate using that word, but we're going to continue from that. Their whole thing being a psychological disconnect from society. What does that say about your assessment of current society? If you think the ones, if you think the ones who are disconnected are the criminals,
0: and yeah, you, that was part of the uh, the Twitter thread you had were the screenshots of this. Hmm. Um, but the thing that really jumped out at me was um, I forgot the term for it, but the there there as a, as a game with horror elements, Terminator does have rules for like you see something scary, your character can be shocked or, or stunned or shaken. Yeah you can lose willpower, I think, in, in the games.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Let me bring up that table. Hold yeah. on one second, because I think about that table a lot. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, um, you know, in Call of Cthulhu, for example, there's a list. There's a table like, this is what seeing a dead bodies like. This is what to all the way to seeing what Cthulhu is like. And, you know, uh, in terms of like from the least scary to the most scary. And lots of games yeah. have this very common. Makes sense to have that kind of mechanic in a Terminator game. But the way they allocate, the way they arrange from least scary to most scary, it's a bit hmm.
1: It's certainly a choice. Losing five or more hit points in one attack. Well, you don't have that many hit points, so that makes sense. Yeah. Suffering a second wound or reduced attribute, two or three willpower. That's it's quite a few because exposure to a nuclear, biological, or chemical attack only loses you one to two willpower. But seeing a Terminator always loses you to willpower.
0: <laughs> that, ro- uh, that robot's scarier than that nuke that took out Chicago. Like I don't know if you know that. But
1: uh, I, <laughs> presumably- I don't know if you I don't know if you know this, but yeah. one of my special interests is nuclear weapons. Yeah. And whenever I see nuclear weapons mishandled, I get cranky. <laughs> no lie. The Terminator series is one of the best strictly fictional handling mm-hmm. of nuclear weapons that I have seen in a minute.
0: Yeah, uh, Sarah Connor's uh, nightmare of a nuclear mm-hmm. uh, apocalypse is uh, pretty, pretty much like the the one of the, the one of the Hollywood's Hollywood's best single depiction uh, yep. of it. Yeah, and that was just no, Granted, her yeah.
1: skeleton wouldn't still be there, yeah. but yeah, basically, yeah. Also. Fun trivia fact. Did you know that the woman she looks at right before the nuke is played by her twin sister?
0: I did not know that. Oh.
1: Because it's supposed to be her if she was able to take a different path.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So that's cool. Yeah, it is. It is cool. And uh, But on the other hand, watching all life as you know it be destroyed is scary. But have you considered that a big robot guy is way scarier? 50% scarier sometimes. True. Yeah.
1: Very scary. Yeah. <laughs> To be fair, I get, like, actual chills whenever the fucking robot skull looks directly at the camera in any Terminator movie Mm -hmm. because it's, like, super uncanny valley and weird for me. Mm -hmm. And I love it because it's a great horror element, but I don't think it would cause me to lose more willpower than seeing a nuke.
0: Yeah, the danger of a Terminator is that the Terminator is trying to create the apocalypse. You would think that would be less scary than the actual apocalypse. You'd think. But no, the the messenger is actually worse than... (laughs) The the harbinger is worse than the actual event. Yeah, yeah, I think you also posted a a screenshot of uh, some of the – an excerpt from the hacking rules. And I actually – Oh, my God. uh, I went into the hacking rules more – in depth because uh, you know, as I mentioned, one of the scenarios is the, the phone book killer, the IE, the events of Terminator one. And uh, the second Mm -hmm. one is set in the future. And it's about um, finding out that one of your fellow resistance members is actually a secret Terminator. Then trying to, and one of the options is actually trying to reprogram to hack your Terminator resistance member buddy so that he can, he can help you. They have a map of the network nodes. So this is the first mistake, which I I'm really impressed in a way that a role playing game in the year of 2022 would include a detailed mini game for hackers.
1: You um, have to build your own board game.
0: You yeah, it's a board game. Like I haven't seen this since like Shadowrun and Cyberpunk. Like uh-huh. like that's game design from the 80s. Like they stopped doing that in the 90s. Like I I it just. Here's four pages of very dense rules that are not explained very well. You can, and then, so I tried to look at the network map, the node map of this Terminator that they have in the adventure, and then try to read the rules to figure out how hard it is to hack that Terminator brain. And I couldn't figure it out. Like,
1: do you know, it takes 30 turns to hack a nuke. I uh, found that out. From the hacking rules. <laughs> well,
0: that's, that's a lot. E- that's a lot easier than this. Cause it's, there's you, the hacker on one access node or IO port node, and then there's the network security thing on the other end, and you each take an action each turn. But like it seems that you're trying to get to C, location C on the map, but location C is right next to your entrance. So it seems like it takes just two skill checks to get there. So maybe I think I'm reading it wrong, but like it's just also like the average difficulty for it was 13. Um, yeah. Which is really high. Like it's
1: really high.
0: Like because remember, like your average skill and stat, you're only going to be like it's going to be a D10 plus, maybe a five or plus plus five or plus six. Really, what you're looking at. So you need. So you're looking at like needing an eight or a nine or better on a D10 to succeed, and you'd have to make multiple attempts uh, in order to hack uh, at a minimum. Why would they do this? I, I don't.
1: You I you mentioned. That I had said there were changes from the alpha, and you were yep. correct. Mm-hmm. They in fact changed the seventeen pages of hacking rules oh. to five. Oh,
0: um, okay. <laughs> so that I literally
1: had a software engineer who is currently sitting in the same room as I.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I am um, look at this and be like, "What do you make of this?" And he goes, "I don't know."
0: <laughs> no, was that the original seventeen pages or the the uh, abbreviated five pages?
1: The 17 pages. Oh,
0: okay. Wow. Even I, you would think that 17 pages would have like examples and things to make it clear and more concise, but.
1: 17 pages is not going to be concise no matter what we're talking about.
0: That's true. Uh, Um, So, Oh
1: my God. The the thing I did understand was the input output node. I understand Mm -hmm. what that meant.
0: Yeah. That's where you start. I, I got that. Yeah. That's where you start on your little hacking sub dungeon crawl. Subquest. Play
1: Candyland. It's easier (laughs) than this.
0: Yeah. Uh, And there's a very... uh, Aside from, like, very detailed rules for everything related to combat and vehicle chases and uh, obviously five pages of hacking, they... Weirdly enough they have uh they do have some like meta uh rule meta narrative rules like you have will and hope that you can use to modify mm-hmm. dice rolls so but they're very com- unnecessarily complicated because you have three types of hope body brain and bravado and it's just like yeah. why <laughs> yeah just just do fate points fate literally points literally just
1: do fate points yeah. please i am begging you So nice? mm-hmm. art is nice
0: Mhm it is nice Uh, One thing I also did look into was the experience points because uh, this is not a level based system and it uses uh, experience points. But you only get like it says specifically each character that took part in the game session typically earns two experience points. The director may award an additional experience point per player per session, but is advised to do so sparingly. But then spending experience points, for example, to raise uh, a skill from rank two to rank three the skills go up to rank five, by the way. Um, that would cost eight experience points. So you would need, on average, four full game sessions to level up one skill. You know what I'm point. having
1: flashbacks to what? while I'm reading this? Cthulhu Tech.
0: Oh, I see, I never played that.
1: I... See, I did. Mm-hmm. And I'm sad that I did, but also not because I have been idly noodling at a hack of Cthulhu Tech um, because there there are some ideas in Cthulhu Tech that I really like. I love the whole arcology thing. I love the future war. It's great. Um, hate the rest of it. Um, but like this constant, oh, yeah, it's a hard game. So like you get these skills in the beginning and then your progression is an absolute crawl. And you have all of these skills now, that you need to spend these points on.
0: Exactly. Um, like I, they do have some uh, uh, statted out characters, including... Sarah Connor, Kyle Reese, John Connor as an adult. And I just look. Kyle at- Reese
1: is very stoic and very reserved.
0: But none of them have a skill above two, by the way. Uh,
1: mm-hmm.
0: And uh, John Connor, for example, has 22 skills uh, with at least one point in them. So in his leadership, by the way, our leader of humanity has a leadership of two. Uh, so- <laughs> <laughs> but he has a charisma of three and natural aptitude leadership. Uh, the trait, whatever that does, okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's just they stat out yeah. Lieutenant Traxler. Mm-hmm. Like why? Why not? Who asked for that? <laughs>
0: well, maybe you want to run your own version of the first Terminator movie and you have, like, enough players that you need to hand uh, someone control the cop so that they can uh, uh, fight. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, he actually has a higher leadership than John Connor. He has a leadership Does of three. he? Yeah, he has a leadership oh my of God. three.
1: <laughs> yeah, apparently we needed... Apparently Ed Traxler was the savior of humanity all well, that's along. That's why the
0: Terminator killed him. It all makes sense. Yeah, clearly, yeah. The... Um, and the vehicle rule and, and they have uh, like a lot of these license games has a very large gear section. Uh, oh yeah. So uh, tell
1: us about your favorite vehicle. My
0: favorite vehicle is the jet ski because it, one thing it's in there and I don't know if you knew the this.
2: The fucking jet ski. I don't the know, motorcycle you, of the, the sea. seas. Yeah.
0: That's, that's how they describe it. It's like, well, I guess you're not wrong. It's just a weird way to say it. And, um,
1: no, no, you're wrong. You're <laughs> wrong, and I'm gonna say it.
0: Well, I actually mentioned this to Caleb, and he said, "Well, I, uh, I really want to see a Terminator get on one and like sink because, like, oh yeah, <laughs> that yeah, an 800 pound Terminator would absolutely sink a sea Like, oh yeah, uh, they don't, but they don't have encumbrance things for it. It can, it doesn't have a weight capacity or anything because
1: which is hilarious. So. I did, I really, yeah, no, I just really want to see, like. I was talking to one of my partners about this um, and he was like, yeah, we should do the scene from the culvert scene from Terminator two. Right. But it's on a river instead. So you've got John Connor and the T-800 on a jet ski. And then you have Robert Pattinson, not Robert Pattinson. I'm so sorry. Robert Patrick, both wonderful actors. Mm -hmm. Um, But Robert Patrick first running on water on foot and then stealing just the ever given and just chasing them on the ever given.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The Terminator RPG, it, 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 it really does feel like they just, they took, and I haven't read all Slay industries. I did look at a quick start guide of it, but it did look like a similar approach of just we have these rules. We're just going to revise them and just paste them in there. We already have combat rules, so we don't need to change those that much. Now, there are some things I do like uh, in this game. For one thing, they do have a lot of lore uh, for the Terminators, and they have a really good uh, Terminator section of uh, listening all the various models. And there's some cool ones. Like, I like the um, I forgot the model number, but there's one Terminator that's actually a network hacker that just kind of hangs out and uh, plugs into telephone poles in order to uh, gain information. Uh, <laughs> what is it? It's called the T-7070, 770. Kind of fun. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's that's a neat idea. It's actually like its combat stats are worse uh, because mm-hmm. it's in, in, uh, uh, optimized for hacking and data storage. And so it's like, oh, okay, that's cool. So I like I like the idea of there being more specialized Terminators and different types. And like there's Terminator dogs and Terminator rats. And I was like, well, yeah, well, that's fun. And uh, really
1: like that they included detailed stats for the H case because hunter killers are some of my favorite things. Cause the fucking honk noise they make in the future war, it just rattles my fucking teeth. It's mm-hmm. amazing.
0: Yeah. I, I do like that. And I feel, I mean, that that's sort of the bread and yeah. butter. I feel of like a licensed RPG is to get into the world, the universe
1: more, yes you know, um, I mean, but the pro—I oh, think the problem with their universe—and you do—you did mention that they—they they try to get into the universe—is that I think they get very wrong-headedly into the universe. Um, I'm sorry, you were saying something, but I wanted to mention um, Spetsnaz. Oh yeah, because the Spetsnaz are here mm-hmm. for some fucking reason.
0: Yeah. And they're very good at killing uh, robots. They're very badass.
1: Yeah, they they apparently have weaponry capable of taking out a Terminator in a single well-placed shot.
0: Um, what? Which they don't, I don't think they really stat out. Uh, they don't really have, like, stats for they don't. Spetsnaz. Or I think Spetsnaz
1: weaponry. is only mentioned in the first chapter and then never again. <laughs> like, there's one There's one more mention of it somewhere else. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's. Th- yeah, because they also do mention that, like, there's a Russian AI system called Mir. Yeah, it's Mir. Yeah, and it's not as well developed, and it's actually plotting against Skynet, um, which is a real interesting twist, uh, but.
1: But they don't do anything with it.
0: No. It's entirely left. And part of it, like, that's OK, I think, for a role playing game sometimes, because then it's, you know, here's a a cool hook you can use and, and you can fill in the blanks from there. But the rest of the game is the re- but it only that only kind of works if there, you just throw nothing but plot hooks and, and keep it, everything kind of vague. Like a lot of things yeah. are very well developed and some things are not developed at all. And it would be better if it was all just like, here are things you can do with Terminators, as opposed to this is the exact. It's
1: very weird because they get very deep into certain things. And then sometimes they're just like Spetsnaz is here and Mm. still together.
0: Uh, And they mention like John Connor wants to recruit them. I feel like in some ways all licensed games. uh, Now that I I just realized this, um, probably like the gold standard for a licensed RPG now would be actually looking at the old West End Star Wars RPGs because um, those came out in the early eighties started coming out in the early eighties. They were written before there were, You know, before there's Wikipedia, before there were universe guides. What happened is when Lucasfilm started licensing out people to make comics and graphic novels and books, um, they handed them the West End games. And so the people, because Star Wars only had the three films at that point, um, and so they became the extended universe. I wonder if, like, people making licensed games now would be like, aha, we could be... The Star Wars, we could be the extended universe for this franchise uh, if we if we write it or do licensees not allow them? Be like you have to go. We have all this other material. You have to you have to follow that. This is canon. This is not canon. I think with the old West End games, they just let them do whatever they want. It's like yeah, that looks like Star Wars. Sure, why not? Um, that was sort of a tangent.
1: Come to page fifteen with me. <laughs> all right,
0: the Future War two
1: Yes, scroll on down to the Burning Earth, and if you would be so kind as to read the first entry in your announcer voice cuz i think that will really uh capture how i feel about it
0: <laughs> the 2037 to 2039 yes the Resistance develops a genetically modified flesh-eating virus that targets vat-grown flesh only. The damage caused by the virus overloads and confuses cybernetic synapses. Hundreds of Terminator infiltrators are compromised and exposed. Having lost nearly all of its rebuilt network system. Skynet 2.0 begins raiding, fumer, uh, eh, begins raiding former human military installations worldwide, stockpiling the Earth's remaining nuclear arsenal as a last resort. <laughs> it just ross uh, yeah uh-huh
1: ross they decide to take out robots uh-huh with a virus
0: uh-huh ross well i mean that that, that not
1: the- a computer virus well a flesh-eating virus
0: well they do uh, get they do expose in uh, hundreds of terminator infiltrators
1: I, i'm sure they do what happens then <laughs>
0: I don't know. Uh, they probably uh, are just fine because there's still robots underneath. So
1: I get, I guess <laughs> it says they overload cybernetic synapses, but it doesn't say what that means. <laughs> I, I, I.
0: Yeah, it's
1: that is one of the things I cannot get over. Like mm-hmm. the alpha version had a sidebar, which I believe they've removed because I haven't, I haven't been able to find it. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I'm so sorry. Mm. I found it, and I'm upset. Mm -hmm. There's a sidebar that says, what is it to be human? Oh, yeah, I see it. This is page 17, and I'm going to read it to you Mm -hmm. in my announcer voice. (laughs) At its heart, the Terminator is a cautionary tale of technophobia. Its villain is an artificial intelligence who, rightly or wrongly, is blamed for the destruction of the world. Distinguishing the difference between human and machine is a common theme. When Reese says, I feel pain, it doesn't. This is a clear line in sand separating the biological from the mechanical. A line that even Skynet recognizes and incorporates into its strategy. So, how is the machine different from a person? Skynet is not self-aggrandizing. It doesn't have wants or desires. It knows only logic. It does not show mercy or remorse. If a problem is encountered, it is systematically eliminated. Skynet is not mortal. It has no shelf life. Time is relative and all solutions are viable save self-destruction. It will survive at all costs. And to survive, humanity must die. Show me on the page where I asked. (laughs) This is not a sidebar about what it means to be human. This sidebar reads like it was written from the perspective of Skynet.
0: Yeah, it's also not like Terminator is not a cautionary tale of technophobia. Uh, technophilia maybe it's like the villain is humanity because we made the the AI. You know, it it's it's us. It's what we're doing to ourselves. <laughs> like
1: once again, the villain yeah. is the military industrial complex, uh-huh. which will eat everything in its path before eating itself. Uh huh. Yeah. And like this is mm-hmm. so. I to side note, I used to date members of this Silicon Valley philosophy philosophy cult called, called Less Wrong. Look it up or don't if you don't want to take the sanity damage. But it sounds exactly like these fuckers. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Because I, I'm, the, I'm those are the people
1: who came up with Roko's Basilisk.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Right. And the fact that the people writing this seem to have the same opinion on Skynet, which is not that Skynet is, you know, petty or frightened, which it is. It literally sends a robot back in time to kill the mother of the person who could take it down, instead of just taking him down. Well, Skynet yeah. is
0: yeah.
1: Skynet is a petty bully. Yeah. Skynet is the guy who got into West Point because his father was a two star general.
0: It is it is the machine, but we are the machine. Um,
1: exactly. You know- And it's, I'm really mad that they kept this in here because this is actually one of my least favorite parts of the game because it's just nonsense.
0: Yeah. It's not, it's not, uh, well-written, um.
1: No, at all. And so like then combining that with the Spetsnaz mm -hmm. and the flesh eating, it's, they're trying to make something cool, but they, they don't have a clear defining vision of what cool is. And they, they don't they either don't understand or don't care about the themes of the Terminator movies. Um,
0: yeah. I, I just don't think they understand it. Um, they, they at least on a, on a, on a deep thematic level, like they, again, I think this is primarily, they had an existing game, Slay Industries, and they wanted, they wanted to just get a Terminator game done using that system. And they made Terminator like Slay Industries.
1: Uh, and that's, yeah. that's where it suffers really yeah. hard because Part of Slay Industries is cruelty of humans to other humans, right? It's this very grim, dark mm-hmm. uh, world where people are constantly crushing each other into the dirt. The problem with attempting to smash that uh, at high speed into Terminator is that Terminator is ultimately a story of mutual aid and like human empathy.
0: Terminator is a great film in that there, you can have multiple ballot interpretations of it. You know, it's, about, yeah. you know, the power of love, about destiny versus free will, you know, the, you know. Um, but, yeah. but
1: the thing that always stays the same, right, is that it's humans versus the machines. Right. Um, and the machines are the worst impulses of humanity. And here, for some reason, they just throw in colorful warlords a la Mad Max.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Having, having warlords and, um. Yeah, I mean they're kind of hinted at in Terminator Salvation now that I think about, it, but like yeah, it's very dumb. They also mentioned Not- collaborators and like uh, human collaborators with Skynet, which has never been a thing in any of the yeah. uh, Terminator. I mean
1: videos. the collaborators so- I can kind of see because of the whole you know imperialist military industrial complex thing. So the warlords,
0: yeah. So the thing is, so they they don't, it doesn't seem, Nightfall Games doesn't really understand Terminator. This is something that I've seen myself, and I'm sure you've seen as well, in in multiple, like, recent licensed games. You know, we did an episode a couple years ago about the Witcher RPG and how they try to, like, copy mechanics from the video game directly into a tabletop game. You know, like, crafting, you need... Five of these items and six of these items, you make a skill check and you've made this suit of armor, which is not, mm-hmm. you know, not a good way to translate crafting mechanics in a tabletop. No, And they had the cyberpunk system and they they had so they forced which Witcher into that cyberpunk system because it's essentially a modification of the cyberpunk system. Um, I, you know, recently I looked at the Fallout quick start guide and it's like, hey, you like all those attributes from the Fallout system. How about we just do that? Except now it's in tabletop in our 2d20 system. So we're gonna take this 2d20 engine that uh, Modiphius is, use, uses for everything, and we're gonna, you know, sh- shove uh, Fallout into that into that hole. Like we're uh, now that I think about, it, they did the same thing for Star Trek, uh, also with the 2d20 system. <laughs> it it's very disappointing to see like to have this cool license and you just make the most safe. Conservative, traditional RPG. You can using a system that you is sort of okay. I guess there's nothing. It's nothing really great. It's it's just a generic kind of RPG system.
1: The thing about Slay Industries is it's not particularly a generic RPG system. It's supposed to do a thing, but the problem is they're trying to they're trying to make Terminator also do that thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it doesn't.
0: I think that's sort of like. For me, when I think of the Terminator, I could think of a dozen different types of really cool, fun, interesting role-playing games you could do. What yeah. are what are some of yours? Well, I think it was, for me, the most obvious thing, uh, based on my experience, would actually be to take the Blades in the Dark system, um, Fortune okay. in the Dark. And, um, you know, you have a group of characters and then you have a central group sheet. And usually mm-hmm. like in in the dark, it's your crew in scum and villainy, it's your spaceship. It's, it's mm-hmm. some asset. It's something you all have in common, but obviously in mm-hmm. terminator, you don't have that. What you do have is the terminator. So you have a terminator and the whole campaign is, you know, in in the dark, you do a heist and the whole system is designed around heists and scores. Um, mm-hmm. in this one, it's encounters. With the Terminator, how do you escape or evade or what, what price you have to pay to get away from the Terminator this time? And what did you get from it? Like the whole idea is you gradually fill in your Terminator sheet to find out what its abilities and weaknesses are. And then uh, at the end of the campaign, you, you finally built up enough and you have a final confrontation and then you find out if you're going to live or die killing because it won't be allowed to kill you. Mm. Uh, it can wound, you know, until the very end. So it to keep, you know, the campaign going. I think that would be interesting mechanically because tabletop role playing games don't do confrontations between like multiple confrontations with the single power, powerful adversary. They don't like tabletop RPGs are very much like you go through this group or you go through this bad guy and then you move on to the next, you know, monster of the week. You don't face the same nemesis over and over again. Um, and I think that would be the way I would try to adapt it because this is all about the same nemesis and you get really gotta, gotta stop the Terminator eventually. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's, that would be my obvious. And I think that would be a commercial commercially viable game, but, uh, that, that would be my first inclination. I can think of other games, but, uh, I'm really curious about what your top adaptation would be
1: actually pick belonging outside belonging the token based system for dream askew and dream apart because everybody has their character but everybody also has a piece of the world that they control right so like in dream askew it's polite like some of the stuff you can control is polite society and other gangs and the psychic maelstrom um i think in terminator it would be really really fun To have like, I don't know, another Resistance Enclave or Skynet or maybe even a rogue, a series of rogue bots, something like that. Yeah, I think it would also
0: be, I think you could, if you could figure out a way to do it for not just temporal things, like someone mm -hmm. has like aspects of the future and someone has aspects of the past or the present, Mm -hmm. you know. Sure. Yeah.
1: I'd also really like to play a specifically future Terminator game. With either dread or ten candles.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, that would be really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you just straight up do dread. Um, yeah. That way, uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't have to adapt to anything because mm-hmm. that would that would map onto it pretty well. Ten candles, I yep. haven't played. I'm I'm familiar with it, but I haven't played it. But
1: I, it's yeah. it's very good. You should play it.
0: <laughs> no, I, it's it's on my you know games. I will eventually play. Uh, I want to play. Um, the the only thing that you would have to modify is a little bit about the ending because in Terminator. The idea is you have at least somebody gets to live and see the Terminator dad, like in 10 candles, everybody dies at the end. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: But Uh, you could do almost to reference a star Wars movie that one of my partners has been trying to get me to watch, even though I don't particularly care about star Wars. mm -hmm. I know. I know. (laughs) Um, But you could almost kind of do like a rogue one Mm -hmm. thing. Like you have to get something to John Connor. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I could do. Yeah. And Like, there's a lot of different ways to do Terminator. Like, not just that, too. Like, I really do like the. Yeah. Um, Like, a prequel or a side game for Ten Candles with a Terminator. Um, That would be cool. Um, Another one, actually, make it an investigative, like a Trail of Cthulhu or call, you know, sort of like um, you're picking up the trail of the phone book killer and you're piecing the the puzzle together and sort of tell a side story about what happened. Um, You know, like, how did the Terminator arm get from. The uh, I mean that's kind of the Rogue One thing too, isn't it? Like how did the Terminator arm uh, get to uh, uh, Cyberdyne Systems? You know, you could do a really cool feng shui hack uh, to focus on the action. There's there's a lot of different ways to cover Terminator. Now there are some RPGs that get licensed or that have good licensed games out of them. I I can think of a few, but they're they're old. Do you do you have any licensed games that you like? I don't know. One would hope that the Avatar game is. Uh, I know that's obviously the biggest... I've heard
1: a lot of really good things about that yeah. so far. Um, I don't know much about Avatar The Last Airbender, um, so I can't I can't speak to that, but I've heard a lot of good things about the crew developing it, so yeah. fingers crossed.
0: Yeah, uh, and also the fact that they use Powered by the Apocalypse I think is a good fit for that. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, Powered by the Apocalypse is pretty good for any sort of...
1: I mean, there are things it really doesn't work for. I don't think I'd use Powered by the Apocalypse for terminator for example i could see it working it wouldn't be very inspired though like it would no. it, it
0: would be it would be this but actually it would still be better than the one we have because at least the rules would be concise and like fairly yeah uh, easy to understand and hacking would be a single de- you know role instead of yeah. a, a whole mini game actually you know what i could see a really cool hacking focused terminator rpg where you're all hackers um, trying to yeah, reprogram- but you have to
1: have right. at least yeah. you have to have at least one Game Boy.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, actually, like, yeah, do a storytelling-focused game about being the hackers who reprogram in the uh, Terminator, and so like that can be fun because then you could like. Oh, what kind of Terminator do you eventually reprogram? And is it one that can mm-hmm. learn to be human, like in Terminator Two? Uh, does it does it misfire? Does it backfire and doom humanity? So that could be a really good like puzzle. Fo- you can make it really puzzle focused, or you can make make it like a board game, or you can make it storytelling and just focus on like vignettes and like what kind of memories you give it, or what kind of like personality you give it.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah.
0: So yeah, I think um, it's it's. Probably the nature of just licensing they required to make a certain amount of money. And uh, it's only companies yeah. with a certain kind of track record of production and getting things out on time. At least it's a standalone system. I have to give them that because at least it's not like the uh, a 5e compatible Hellboy.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> Put yeah. a pin in that because I have a rant about that.
0: <laughs> oh no, please! Uh, because uh, so for the listeners who aren't aware, they uh, there was a Hellboy role playing game that was kickstarted, but it was powered by Fifth Edition. So Oof.
1: the number of people I've seen who are sort of new to the design space and say their game is system agnostic,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and what they mean is it works in either Pathfinder or D anD. d Is Far too many, and I there's a my my running joke with that is I ah, yes the two genders, <laughs> um, or you know you get Starfinder in there too mm-hmm. if you want to make things really spicy.
0: Well, I mean, I know like um, some of my friends do joke about Power by the Apocalypse taking over, and certainly like a couple of years ago that was true. But like,
1: I mean, Power by the Apocalypse took over from Fate, which took over from Gerps. Yeah. So, meh. Well, no, also because
0: speak- GURPS has never had an open license. I mean,
1: um, speaking of GURPS, though, uh, <laughs> the Discworld, I've heard the Discworld GURPS mm-hmm. game is very good.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, GURPS does have a lot of licensed setting mm. books, and I think they were pretty good. Um, I don't know if they do much anymore, uh, but yeah, GURPS has had a pretty good uh, quality control uh,
1: for most of their yeah. books. Um, so, Speaking uh, of GURPS. <laughs> If I wanted to play a Terminator game and I wanted to make it crunchy, I would simply use GURPS Reign of Steel. Oh yeah! So it's out of print currently, but it's pretty easy to um, it's pretty easy to find if you're sailing the seven seas. Wink,
0: wonk. Right. Well, I think the PDF is available too. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Uh, okay.
1: Uh, I actually have a physical copy as well as a PDF copy. Um, yeah.
0: it's available but, on the uh, um, Steve Jackson Games website as the. Oh, file.
1: okay. So, cool. Yeah. Um, I also know that they put out a zine recently to update it for the new edition, which is really cool, because I'm a sucker for anything that has a zine. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah,
0: ironically enough, when I did try to run a game in, a, in, a, in, a, in Fallout, I, I uh, used GURPS for it. Uh, mm-hmm. And then that campaign fell apart for scheduling reasons, which made me mad because I learned the mass combat rules uh, for GURPS. Yeah. And then nobody I- wanted to also learn them.
1: Oh, no. (laughs) My husband uh, occasionally refers to GURPS as the third best system for any game. Mm -hmm. And that's not wrong.
2: Yeah.
1: Like, it's okay. Yeah. Because the thing it's trying to do is be every game at once, which makes it okay. Yeah. Reign of Steel is kind of my problematic fave because it's attempting to be an international setting... With 18 different, it's like 18 to 22 different AIs, all of which have their own personality, all of which are bickering. So if you can imagine 18 to 22 different Skynets fighting over the remnants of the Earth and also the moon, um, it's pretty great. But it's, it's also like weirdly racist in parts because it's mostly written by one white guy. But it, it's fun. It, it's got the heart that I feel the Terminator RPG lacks. Like the writer is very interested in what he's doing.
0: And I think, yeah, I think that's the nature, the real danger, or I guess the difficulty of adapting an existing intellectual property to a role-playing game. You know, Terminator was written to be a movie, and then there was a sequel, and then maybe some other movies. We don't we don't talk about that. Right. Um, but they were, first and foremost, everything about them was designed to make that movie better tabletop role-playing games don't like you only supposed to write half the narrative. So the individual groups can fill it in. And so uh rain of steel, I imagine describes a lot of stuff and doesn't have any resolution because yeah. that's up to you. And so, yeah, um, maybe that would be another way of doing the Terminator as a role-playing game is like, do a quick thing. Like, why is a Terminator trying to kill you? Okay. Yeah. Why are you trying to save them? Okay. What are your special ability? You know, do you, and then yeah. go, uh, and then kind of work it from there. I guess that, that would be the blades in the dark thing. Or dread. Yeah. yeah. Or dread is just kind of ask <laughs> some questions and, yeah. and get the ball rolling. And uh,
1: I, I love, I love that dreads character creation mechanic is literally just a personality quiz. Yeah. It was, is my favorite thing about that game. And, um,
0: I mean, that's the thing is like the, the, in the nightfall terminator game, like every terminator has detailed stats, including how much armor it has, how many hit points it has. And you don't really need Like if you want to emulate the feeling of being in a terminator movie, you don't have that stuff. It's just you shoot at it and maybe it slows down for a bit until you figure out the secret weakness to kill it. You know, whether it's machinery at a factory that you can uh, uh, activate or like a steel foundry Mm -hmm. or some unstoppable force that even the terminator can't overcome.
1: You know, um, yeah. as we're talking about this, you know what this you know what the Terminator RPG feels like to me? It feels like that DM who feel who is insists that every game they have to get one over on their players. Yeah. Right? It's that guy who it's that guy who views his relationship with the players as adversarial, both mm-hmm. in game and out of game, and just has to prove how much better they are than the players. Because if you look at how they write about the machines mm-hmm. And honestly, about authority in general in that game, it's just like, oh, wow, they're so cool and they're so complicated and, like, they never fuck up and they're they're frightening all the... You know, it's not... They mistake power for horror, and it's just not... After a while, it's just, okay, yes, I see you have statted out a Terminator on a jet ski. Why (laughs) is this supposed to frighten me?
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, no, that's true. And that's, it was kind of like the adversarial DMing was very popular in the 80s and 90s. And this feels like a game straight out of the 80s and 90s. You know, it doesn't feel like it's incorporated any of the lessons we've learned about role playing game design in the last 20 years. Oof. Well, yeah, in in the comments, let us know if you, there are any licensed games that you do like. If you have a copy of the Terminator, let us know what you think. But when we'll be back, we'll have uh, some shout outs of some things that are actually worth checking out. All right, and we're back. Um, I don't know what music I'm going to put in the segue. Um, I'm sure I'll find something very, probably synthwave. This sounds like a synthwave kind of episode.
1: I think you should get uh, Restreams of Future War. Okay.
0: Uh, Is that music you, is that actual? uh, I mean,
1: Restreams of Future War is from the Terminator soundtrack. uh,
0: Okay, well, I have to get something Creative Commons licensed. Oh, damn. Okay. I'll, I'll find some synthwave. There's probably... It's quite a bit of it on Bandcamp. But uh, yeah, we have shout-outs. Uh, so uh, first one, I would like to... Actually, uh, Jacqueline, do you want to... Uh, 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 what, what is your first shout-out? What do you like our uh, listeners to know?
1: I would love to draw some attention to the uh, solo tabletop RPG, God Talker Nobody. You can find it on Itch.io. It's by Female Wizards. It is the game that taught me how to write solo RPGs. It's incredible. Um, it is set in a summer in, uh, middle America. It can be in the 1950s, I think is the suggestion, but it can also be modern day. Essentially you are, you are a middle or working class kid or young adult. Your life is normal. And then you hear the voice of God. Oh. So essentially it's a game about becoming a prophet of a God. Um, who maybe no one else knows about. It's, it's really beautiful and lovely. Hmm. And I would strongly recommend anybody who is interested in solo RPGs to play God Talk or Nobody, because it's free.
0: Yeah, that, that is a good enticement. Uh, I did have a lot of fun playing Thousand-Year-Old Vampire, so uh, hmm. I should probably check out uh, some other solo RPGs. Um,
1: I've written a couple.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll, uh, of course, have a link to your uh, Linktree tree. Uh, In the show notes, uh, so people can find out uh, about... See all your works. uh, (laughs) And we'll probably be reviewing or playing some of them in future episodes. Uh, But, you know, like my list of games I want to play is very, very long at this point. My first shout-out will actually be a movie I saw. It's currently streaming on Shudder. Uh, It's called Mad God. Uh, It's by uh, Phil Tippett, uh, who is a special effects guy. Uh, He worked on Star Wars, Jurassic Park. This movie, it took him uh, about 30 years to make because it's stop motion. Um, He started working on this in like 1987 and he just finished it a few years ago or maybe like last year. There's some live action in it uh, as well. It is a beautiful movie uh, aesthetically, but it is very surreal. There's kind of a narrative, but it's like, there's no, there's no spoken dialogue it opens up with a written quote from Leviticus, you know, the Bible, like it's very, it seems to be an, uh, allegory for, uh, the, the divine inferno descending into deeper and darker, uh, pits of hell. It certainly looks like it. Uh, but it is, if you have shutter, uh, streaming, uh, it's worth checking out because it is very, uh, beautiful and, uh, Yeah, certainly if you're running horror role-playing games or anything like that, it'll give you some ideas.
1: That Uh, sounds amazing.
0: Yeah, it's very neat. What is uh, your second uh, shout-out?
1: My second shout-out is Chase the Hollow by Brandon Leon Gambetta. You can also find that on Itch. It is a rules-light horror game about pursuing an urban legend like Slenderman,
2: um,
1: who is referred to as The Hollow. Mm-hmm. and all of you have different relationships to it. Ooh. For example, maybe you lost someone to the Hollow, or you want to become the Hollow, or you feel like you are destined to be killed or otherwise destroyed by the Hollow. Uh, have you and played it? I have not gotten a chance to play it yet, but it reading through it was incredible, and I really want to try and run it sometime this year.
0: Yeah, that does, that does intrigue me. I do like a good... Um... Creepypasta, Slender Man esque kind of uh, vibe. Uh, so yeah,
1: you know. I love that it has that creepypasta feel to it, right? Like that very modern, almost sharp feel feel of that specific kind of horror. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, like uncertainty, ambiguity. Like yeah, you know, what what is you know? There's no there, like old horror is all you know based on rules. You know, like what the mm-hmm. werewolf and vampire can or can't do, or it's Very, like, totally unknowable, like, lovecraft. This is like, well, maybe it's, maybe you're just hallucinating. Maybe it's not even real. It's
1: uncertain until it's not, which is the really fun part.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, I'm definitely going to check it out. Um, But speaking of Itch, uh, I, uh, the second, uh, my second shout out is another role playing game on Itch that uh, I found through one of the bundles. I forgot which one. Uh, it's currently on sale right now, as uh, we are talking on uh, June twenty first, twenty twenty two. But even on full price, it's only ten dollars. It's called Fist, uh, that which stands for Freelance Infantry Strike Team. Uh, it okay. It is a super rules light, uh, powered by the apocalypse, but with OSR uh, aesthetic. But it's uh, basically you're playing paranormal mercenaries, and uh, so think Metal Gear, uh, Hellboy. And uh let's see, what are some of the other inspirations that they have in the actual game? Um basically you you make up a character, your main your the main way you describe in uh your character is to uh roll on or pick two traits, and they have a hundred traits possible. Yeah, some okay, inspired by the eighteen, doom patrol, metal gear solid, offworlders, simple world, and world of dungeons. Um but these traits are very ambiguous, or very can there's not balance at all. Like, one of them is you're a skeleton. If your body blows up, and if someone puts your skeleton, your bones back together again, you come back to life. Or, so cool, yeah. Or, morbid, you have been touched by death. You can actually make a deal with the Grim Reaper if you or someone else dies. And if you fulfill that deal, you come back to life. Uh, but if you fail that deal, you die for re forever. Uh, or you know, so. Characters only have six hit points to start with, but, uh, you can do all, you can pick characters that like have crazy abilities. Um, like one of them is called Henshin, where you can basically be like a common Rider-esque transforming hero. Um, okay. yeah. Uh, or a cyborg, or you can put transplant brains, or you're just really good with a guitar. Um, you know, like, the, okay. yeah. And so. Uh, you make your mercenary in a couple minutes and you go out and you fight weird stuff. Uh, so yeah, they just released a campaign set called the, uh, Mandelbrot set, which is sort of like annihilation slash stalker. Like here's a, this zone is full of weird, weird stuff. You need to go to the center of it and shut down the experiment in the fractal zone. Um, and it's like a hex crawl campaign model for it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really cool. Uh, it's super easy to make characters. I'm tempted to come up with like some rules to do like a peasant funnel thing where everyone gets multiple characters. And the idea is to see how many of them actually survive. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, that is something I uh, want to check out. So uh, actually, I could campa- combine it with the Fractal Zone campaign. So ever, you go into the zone with like three characters, and you can shoot for any given encounter. You can choose how many of your characters you're throwing in there, but. Like, uh, yeah, something I have to think about. But anyways, it's, it's, it's fun and it's super easy to pick, pick up and teach. Cause it's just powered by the apocalypse roll two D six. Um, cool. yeah. Uh, what uh, you had another, uh, couple of shout outs. Well,
1: yes. Um, I I'm sorry. I've switched out one of my shout outs. Uh, um, I want to give a shout out to a game more people should play, even though it's a couple of years old now. Um, and if you don't play it, at least study it for your game design. Uh, Dreaming the Devil by Dimfnokoi. It is a game about the witch trials in early modern Italy. Mm -hmm. And it's a three-person LARP that takes about an hour to play. The reason I am shouting this game out is because it has the single best torture mechanic in any game I have ever played. And I mention this because I have a degree in international relations. And one of the things I studied a great deal of is human rights abuses. And in a lot of games that have torture as a skill or as an ability, they tend to focus on the actual torture itself and, oh yeah, it's totally going to get you information and it's going to, you know, maybe give this person Stockholm syndrome or whatever. And I find that really gross and misplaced Mm -hmm. because it never really covers, you know, what happens to the torture survivor or the torturer, but the torture mechanic in dreaming the devil is not actually handled by the Inquisitor. It's handled by the uh, person who accused the uh, accused in the first place. So essentially representing the community mm-hmm. deciding to torture the person rather than the Inquisitor, because the Inquisitor is just there to, you know, assen- ask the questions and give oh. the whole thing a-, a veneer of legality. Torture in this game, you break a stick. You do not describe what the torture looks like. You do not. Describe how it affects the person being tortured. The person being tortured has to answer the next couple of questions by the inquisitor, not truthfully, but in the way they think the inquisitor wants the questions to be answered.
0: Yeah, because that's that's what you do. With, if what I read is you'll, I'll do whatever you want. Just stop hurting me. Yeah, that's,
1: exactly. Yeah. I think about that a lot because I was in I was in a play test for this game, mm-hmm. and my character was the accuser who had been having um, extramarital relationships or relations with her cousin. And a priest, who was the accused, walked in on them. And the priest was trying to explain this to the Inquisitor, and my character, flustered and embarrassed and horrified, broke a stick to get him to stop talking. It is an exploration of what happens when people are not motivated by religious fervor, which I think a lot of people want to attribute the um, witch trials too, but by very material and social concerns of the time. And I mean, you wrote on red markets, you've probably read Caliban and the witch um, about how, you know, most of the witch trials were driven by primitive accumulation and attempting to turn the uterus into a reproductive factory and all this other stuff. And I really like that dreaming the devil both takes that and handles torture in a very stark simple way that doesn't sensationalize it anyway it's on itch you should definitely go check it out
0: yeah it sounds fascinating my uh next shout out is uh, a lot lighter but uh vaguely historical um uh, it is a game i recently played uh, as run by its author greg stolsey uh dueling Fops of vindamir which is a game about being it is very much inspired by um swashbuckling and that, that sort of genre but in a comedic way um uh every player is a aristocratic fop who runs a, a fencing school in the city of Vindemir and uh play is about a year in their life and it's sort of they're, they're it's organized by scene there's uh three large uh parties uh, dances. Well, two, two large dances, one at the beginning of the game, one in the middle. And then at the end, there's a fencing tournament. Uh, at the end of the game, you get to see who wins the fencing tournament. And, and it's very interesting because everyone makes a character. It's a GMless less game. Um, mm-hmm. And you basically, it's, it plays in some ways a bit like a board game because you basically have very specific turns and actions. Like at the party, what you have a list of like. You can do these specific actions. You can try and flirt with somebody. You can try and like insult somebody. You could have a light duel or a deadly duel, or uh, so on and so forth. All the while, your stats are adjusting after every scene. And if your stats go too f- and uh, which is uh, if your stats go too far in one direction, your character is taken out of the game. Now well, you have actually several p- characters with you. You control multiple characters, um, not just your fencing master, but like they're they're basically their close entourage. So uh, you can keep playing if you lose your character. But um, the idea is, you know, you're foppish. Are you a serious uh, aristocrat and a deadly swordsman? Are you a foppish aristocrat? You know, uh, uh, and you go back and forth uh, doing this. And then after the dance, you roll to see what kind of scene it is. It could be be another duel. It could be a murder investigation. It could be accusing someone of witchcraft or or making a deal with uh, warlocks. And um, oh. yeah, it's 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 very fun because it's like it's trying to me. Simu- it's basically simulating the life of these characters and like what kind of things they do. And uh sometimes uh yeah, it, it's just a comedic, lighthearted game. I, I quite enjoyed it, it has a lot of Greg Soulsy isms, like dually, you know, opposed stats that if you once that gets higher, the contrasting set gets lower, which has been featured in several of his games, like A Dirty World. Better angels, uh, unknown armies. Now that I think about it, so um, yeah, it's it's a fun game. It it just came out recently. Um, it's uh, a game you can run with zero prep uh, if you're familiar with the rules. It does. It's the whole game is like 30 pages long. Uh, it's only available as a PDF right now, but um, yeah, it's a fun little uh, game of. And yeah, you just it doesn't really matter. It's just telling a story about these silly fops in their weird uh, fencing schools.
1: That sounds really fun. Yeah.
0: There was a lot of romance when I played and a lot of failed romances, including a failed romantic kidnapping where one fencing master tried to kidnap my fencing master and tried to woo me and I wasn't having it. And uh, I I snuck out quite the scandal.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. (laughs) I I love weird social games like that. Mm
0: Yeah, it's, it's something I want to play again, too. Like, I'd like to try it with some other players. What everyone else would do in the, in, you know, because there's 12 types of scenes and you only play through, like, six four. Yeah, you only play through, like, four of the scenes in any given playthrough. So there's a lot of scenes left <laughs> that I haven't tried out. So uh, I'd like to see what those are like. Um, but uh, I think you had another shout-out.
1: Yes, I have one last shout-out. Some of your listeners may know that I wrote for Changeling the Lost 2E for Onyx Path, and I talk a lot about my interest in Changeling the Lost. Just, I want to clear up any confusion. This shout-out that I'm giving, while I love Changeling the Lost, is not for Changeling the Lost. It is for a game that is just called Changeling. And uh, Changeling is a visual novel by Steamberry Studio um, about being a girl who is returning to your hometown after several years. And what you had a mysterious disappearance in your childhood, and you returned, and now you have to figure out what to do with that uh all of the love interests are some different kind of supernatural it's very much a zoo sort of game um but the storylines are very good it follows very faith themes like illusion and loss and forgiveness um very very well it's a it's a little game with a lot of heart and it's a game that made me realize how much i could enjoy uh otome games or visual novels so uh you can pick that one up on itch2 uh, that's Changeling by Steamberry Studios. Um, if you got the bundle for Racial Justice and Equality, you already have it. Pretty so, sure
0: that
1: one. Yeah. yeah, definitely check it out if you want to like sort of explore that genre. Um, but yeah, that's Ooh. my that's my last shout out.
0: How long did it take you to play through? Do you remember
1: about? Oh gosh, um, about an hour maybe.
0: Oh okay, yeah. I, I'm not very familiar with visual novels, but I've heard some are, can't be very long. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, uh, cool. Yeah, if it's just an hour, yeah. Sounds like a good yeah. time. Um, well, thank you again for for jumping on the show, Jacqueline. Um,
1: thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh,
0: is there any particular project you're working on now that you want to you want to mention or plug?
1: Yes, actually. So I am very excited to announce that I am working with the crew of the Silt Versus to uh, host a Silt Versus live action online game in November called Project Sparrow. If you're not familiar with the Silt verses, it is a folk horror audio drama about local gods and their hungers and the humans who have to deal with those. Uh, the best way I can describe it is sort of imagine techno capitalism, but instead of, you know, computers and programmers and stuff, you have these hyper local gods that are always hungry for specific sacrifices. Your electricity is powered because of a god named the Saint Electric. Your internet is powered by a god named the Wirebitten Child. Maybe the house you live in has a sacrifice uh, slowly smothered in its foundations to the Slag King. And, of course, there are licensed and unlicensed gods and a very human government that decides which one is which. Um, anyway, the, the game uh, is a weekend-long game that takes place during the Imago War, which is a sort of World War II-like conflict. Uh, in the world of the Silt Verses, and you are playing the people who are designing, researching, and deploying propaganda gods.
0: (laughs) Huh. I'd not thought about the idea of a propaganda god, but... uh, A
1: propaganda god is kind of a a cross between a nuclear weapon and an infectious meme.
0: Oh, well, that sounds terrifying. Uh,
1: Yeah, (laughs) so you're playing the people who are making it their job to uh, cause those to go.
0: Oof oof Uh, yeah no that sounds really cool uh and that's that's um uh we'll have a link to that so
1: there is currently a facebook group um which i will give you the link to and hopefully it'll be below
0: yeah
1: um we are in the process of finalizing some of the mechanics and we're hoping to have the character types document out within the month oh cool um which will be like the the seven types of characters you can play. I'm really really excited to see how it turns out.
0: Yeah, uh, so my sounds very cool. Well, uh, thank you all for listening to this episode. Just remember, there's there's no fate but what we make. If you, as long as you roll at least an eight, I think that's how <laughs> that goes. <laughs> uh, we'll talk to you later.
1: Bye. Bye.